Ladies and gentlemen, saints and missionaries, welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. You know, when St. Paul encountered the living God on the road to Damascus, he became a missionary to the nations. And we want to see hearts on fire for Jesus. We want to see Christians living missionary lifestyles. We want to see revival in the Catholic Church in America. I'm your host today, Aaron Richards, and I'm joined here in studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Dan Demite. We're going to bring to you, friends, an incredible life-changing testimony of our good friend Maggie. Good. Let's open in prayer, Dan. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. amen. Good and gracious God, we worship you. We adore you. We praise you. We pray, Lord, that you would be a God that moves in power, yes. and we believe that you move in power not uh, just in the extraordinary moments of our days, but uh, at the ordinary moments of our days, Lord, that you want to move in power right now as we listen to this show. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you into uh, our lives right now. We invite you into mm-hmm. our cars, into our homes, wherever we're listening. We just invite your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for calling us into lives of mission. Jesus, that, that you call your church to live uh, lives of mission, where where we realize that um, we're not just here to exist. God, we're not even really just here to exist in relationship with you. But God, we're, we're, here, to, um, we're here to accomplish your will, to bring your kingdom to life here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, thank you, Lord, for... for calling us out of our comfort zone once again today and calling each one of us into a deeper communion with you. Amen. Amen. Awesome, Aaron. So what do we got going on today? Man, I, so in reflecting on uh, in reflecting on our show from last week and, and just on the scriptures from this week, it's been so cool to see how, um, how invested God is in the mission of his people. Um, we, we look at, you know, in this we're wrapping up the the season of Easter. We look at we look at how God has spoken so clearly through the life of the early church, and how um, man those first followers of Jesus must have been going through just an incredible process of having their entire life story be rewritten. You know, they practiced mission when they were on the road with Jesus. It seems for three years, and then once you know at, at the Passion and Resurrection of the Lord, it's like the training wheels are off. And all of a sudden, these men and women who had been a part of seeing the miracles and seeing the story of Jesus lived out before them, like now is the time that they actually are charged with living it for themselves. And I think a lot of times in our lives, we go through this process of like um, experiencing the moments of formation and direction under the leadership of Jesus, right? Whether that, you know, for some of us who are like Dan and I, for some of us who are in professional ministry, who've who've been through um, schooling and who've been through training and, and, you know, served in a variety of capacities, whether it's youth ministry in a parish, whether it's a director of religious education, whether it's in a variety of, of you know, music ministry, whatever the case may be, teaching or preaching or leading, um, all the way up to the, to the kind of work that we're doing today with Damascus, you know. Uh, some of us are in, are in the professional area of youth ministry, but even if you're not in professional ministry, every one of us, all Christians, are in full-time ministry, right? This is the call on our life. And I think for many of us, we go through seasons of, of sort of being formed by the Lord and being led by the Lord and then being launched by the Lord. And uh, I'm, I'm, I, I want to start off our show today by kind of engaging in that process of asking, you know, what are the different ways that we or that others um, can be 
and should be receptive and open to that uh, to that launching forth of, of onto mission. Amen to that. I love that. We're all in full-time ministry. Did you guys hear that? That's incredible. So like, you're like, dude, I'm a teacher. Hey, congratulations. You're a teacher at a public school. You are in full-time ministry. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're in full-time ministry. If you are an engineer and you're super smart, way smarter than me, you're in full-time ministry, right? We're all in this full-time ministry. I love what John Paul, St. John Paul II said, and uh, yeah. he's got this letter called The Mission of the Redeemer. And this is how it starts. The very first uh, paragraph, it says, the mission of Christ the Redeemer, which is entrusted to the church, is still very far from completion. As the second millennium after Christ's coming draws to an end, an overall view of the human race shows that this mission is still only beginning and that we must commit ourselves wholeheartedly to its service. That's amazing, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just beginning. This mission of the Redeemer, it's not, it's far from completion. Actually, we're showing that the mission is still only beginning and we have to commit ourselves wholeheartedly, not um, only people uh, who are priests and nuns should commit themselves wholeheartedly, only people in full-time ministry jobs should commit themselves wholeheartedly, but all of us are wholeheartedly to its service, right? Mm -hmm. The the mission of the Redeemer, we're at service to Jesus' mission as the Redeemer of the world. And he says, it is the Spirit who impels us to proclaim the great works of God. And then he quotes uh, St. Paul saying, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I just find like this, the letter goes on, it's just such power, and it goes on to say that like um, John Paul II just says, we're welcomed into this redeeming character of Jesus Christ, that like yeah. Jesus is... Um, mission was to bring all souls back to the Father. And uh, praise be Jesus Christ, the good news of Pentecost is that by right of the gift of the Holy Spirit, I am brought into the same mission of Jesus Christ, and Mm -hmm. I get to bring souls back to the Father. And today I woke up with a God-given mission and a God-given opportunity to bring souls to the Father and to, to allow the, the kingdom of God to come to earth um, and to be manifested. Yeah. And and that this looks different for every single person, right? I mean, um, day to day, Dan, you and I work with uh, with young adult missionaries who've, who've completely sold out for the gospel, right? They've our, our, At our missionary program at Damascus, they've, they've dedicated two years of their life at least to um, complete full-time, day-in and day-out ministry work. And it's it's so cool to have conversations with 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 these individuals as they're discerning what their next steps are, right? Because we don't ministry isn't something that you graduate from, right? Our call to mission isn't something that you're done with one day. You know, um, going on a mission uh, uh, a mission trip with your parish that's not you're not checking off a box that says that we've we've successfully accomplished our Christian call. Um, so it's it's just it's neat to engage in conversations with missionaries as, as they're talking about okay. I've given my 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 life day in and day out, twenty four seven, to to mission for the last two years. What's mission next year look like? What's mission the year after that look like? And I think you know, so many times we can we can fall into this uh, this this idea, this lie that um, you know, when I take time for myself, or when I when I when I settle in, when I take some time off, that that's the way that I'm fed. But the reality is the human heart was meant to be given away, mm-hmm. right? That, that man is fully alive when he makes a full gift of himself. So um, if if you're looking for fullness and you're looking for fulfillment 
and you're looking to find it in a place of like relaxation or in a place of of pulling back, of taking that time for comfort, right? That that's that's not as human beings where we're meant to be filled. Certainly, you have to live within a realistic limit of your of your understanding of yourself, but. Yeah, well, it's different. Sab- Sabbath is different than uh, laziness <laughs> or, or, or self-indulgence, right? Like, yeah. So uh, taking a Sabbath or taking rest is meant to recharge you for the sake of the glory of God and for his yeah. mission. And so I pull back into the silence. I mean, you see even Jesus, he's ministering in the towns and he says he's going from city to city. And then it says, and then he escaped for a while to be with the Father in prayer. Yeah. And there's a there's a difference between seeking the Lord and Sabbath and rest and that way and self-indulgence. And, yeah. and I, yeah, I love that. Like John Paul II, he says like man only discovers himself through a sincere gift of self. Uh-huh. And, and like, if you want to know what your life would look like fully alive, then give yourself more. And, um, I think of the, and I, I love anyone who's serving the church. Thank, thank, thank you <laughs> for your service. Like, thank you for volunteering for something at the church, but that isn't your mission, right? Like your, your whole life is your mission. And so yeah. it's, it would be inappropriate for me to, you know, give one hour on Sunday mornings to mission yep. as like a PSR teacher and then say that that's my service to the church. That's my service to the, to the gospel. And the rest of the week I'm off duty, right? Like yeah. I have to find mission wherever I go. Well, let's, um, let's frame this as good news, right? Great news. That if, if you, <laughs> if you want to be fully alive, then you can do that by giving your life away. Right. In, um, you know, uh, I remember in our early years of camp, right, we, we've talked about before and we'll, we'll do it again, I'm sure, that in our early years of camp that, um, you know, when when our children were born, like we brought them as infants to summer camp and we lived out of a bike shed. And the reason that we did that wasn't because we wanted to torture ourselves um, and it wasn't because we wanted to, you know, stack up points or release souls from purgatory. It was because we realized that when you give yourself away, that's when you truly live. And I, I can I can just give such a solid testament to the fact that in, in my life, there's been no greater joy than to be given away. There's been no greater joy that I've ever experienced than by giving my life away as gift. There's been no greater joy in my family that we can experience as a family, even my kiddos, um, than by than by giving ourselves away, yeah. than by than by my living that out fully, and. Man, uh, what a we've got an amazing guest today. I, I can't wait to 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 kind of continue this conversation because um, Maggie Mauer, uh, newly married. I'm getting used to the last name. Uh, a, such a good friend of of our ministry of Damascus, and such a good friend personally. Uh, I'm so excited for the testimony that she's going to be able to share with us about a life fully given away, and what joy and what um, excitement and adventure that brings. And man, it's my hope, listeners, that if, if you're hearing this today and you're thinking to yourself, I wish that I had that excitement. I wish that I felt that adventure. I wish that I had that, you know, that charge and that fire in my life. Um, listen in, uh, dig deep today, because I suspect that God may be calling you to a, to a deeper investment in mission. Amen to that. All right, friends, so don't go anywhere. Buckle up. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back on the flip side, we're going to be hearing from our good friend and missionary of the Lord Jesus Christ, Maggie Mauer. We'll be right back. 
Sometimes God doesn't change your problems because he's trying to use your problems to change you. Maybe he doesn't remove that obstacle to your goals because he loves you way too much to give you what you want and he wants you to change your goals. Maybe nothing's working as you planned because God doesn't like your plan. I pray many times, okay, Lord, I give up. To which I can almost hear him reply, finally, I've been trying to get you to do that for so long. We tend to blame our problems on everyone else. It's not me, it's my boss, the weather, my husband, the monthly payment on that car I shouldn't have bought because I can't afford it. (laughs) You know, I almost never hear people say, Chris, I think I need to just change myself. So I want to propose this. Maybe, just maybe, the main thing standing between you and your peace of mind is you. How far does God have to push for you to say, okay, Lord, I give up. Let's try things your way. How about we change me to obtain the peace that I'm dreaming about? Send us a message at connect at reallifecatholic.com. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Once again, welcome back to Beyond Damascus, where we hear the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. This is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the global EWTN Radio Network. We're so excited to have you back today. And man, we've got an exciting guest, don't we, Dan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were, we, were, we were talking in the break about all of the amazing titles that St. Paul just seemingly uh, just layered upon himself <laughs> when he was speaking in profound humility to the early church. As as disciple of the Lord, as prisoner of the Lord, prisoner of the Lord, apostle of Christ Jesus, and and you know back in those days there weren't you know there weren't like official church hierarchical titles that could have been given to him, so we just had to make them up. Can I start calling myself Dan, the elder of the youth? <laughs> that would be fittingly ridiculous. <laughs> oh yeah, you have to be in youth ministry for twenty years before you get the t- the youth elder. Anyway, okay, it just got me thinking yet. that I'm I am I'm so excited to welcome our our next guest. I I, I previewed um, Maggie in all of her uh, in all of her glory and amazing adventure of her life before the break. And um, I just want to brag on her a little bit. So Maggie is I have I have a soft place in my heart for parish youth ministers because Dan, you and I um, really got our start in youth ministry through parish work, right? Absolutely. So Dan and I both served in parish youth ministry for about twelve years, and um, man, so those were some of the most amazing opportunities, not only to evangelize and to witness to young people, but to grow in. Um, in in mission and in realizing kind of what God uh, wanted to do in and through each of us, I I learned so much. Dan, you and I made so many stupid decisions and mistakes, and that was the time where none we, that have been recorded on where video we, where we cut our teeth. Man, I'm so glad we, I'm so glad we weren't running a radio show back then. <laughs> well, and I, I've, I've you know I've heard it said before if you can minister to the young church, you can minister to anyone because mm. like a lot of times it's like ministering to a wall, and you're like, okay, how do I bring this wall into an encounter with Jesus Christ? Go, <laughs> so listeners, if you've ever experienced that, you're not alone. Nope. Our our guest today, Maggie, is um, she has she's doing awesome things in in parish ministry, and uh, to to even to even greater brag on uh, on what she's about. She is a uh, critical part of our work at Damascus, and uh, Maggie's been working with us now for a couple years, and 
um, seeing the way that she has taken absolute uh, leadership within our staff at Damascus, our programming staff at Damascus, uh, the the way that she is able to communicate the gospel, the way that she's able to love people. My five-year-old daughter, Rowan, thinks so highly of her. <coughs> Champion. She's amazing. So let's all welcome Maggie Maurer. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, friends. So happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Heck yeah. Happily. <clears throat> all right. So Maggie's wearing a t-shirt right now that says John Paul II, we love you. That's pretty awesome. So Maggie, why do you like John Paul II? Um, he's been following me for the past like three years. Oh, mm-hmm. a saint stalker. You have to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I don't know. How do you even begin a saint stalking story? Yeah, that's all. He's complicated. Um, I can wrap it up really well, though. So I just got married about three and a half weeks ago on April 27th. And yeah. that happened to be, woo-woo. I know, woo-woo, marriage. Yeah, that happened to be the five-year anniversary of when St. John Paul II was canonized to oh become goodness. a saint. Oh, nice. So good. Yeah. So good. Now, did he did you pick that, that day, or did you pick that day? So, uh, my husband and I, we had about four dates in mm. April 27th, was not one of those dates. But the church we were getting married at gave us only April 27th. <laughs> <laughs> so, we snagged it, and we found out later that... That's when St. John Paul II was canonized. Nice. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I got married on uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, December 8th. So we were like, oh, yeah, there's this is falling on a Saturday. We're totally taking that day. So it was pretty awesome. And I got married on October 13th. Hey, Our Lady of Fatima, right? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's an incredible day. Awesome. Good. Oh, man, we got feast. The, 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 this is the beauty about our faith. We are a, a church of feast and celebrations. And so... I'm, I'm going to uh, check that. I think uh, it's May 13th, actually. Is it? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm pretty sure October 13th was just like the pumpkin fest. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Maggie, we want to hear your story. Why? Like, How did you come into uh, faith in Jesus Christ? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess my love story with Jesus, so to say, it's not just one lightning bolt moment, but rather there's been a lot of small, short stories that's been happening over the course of my lifetime. So I'd always loved being a Catholic, raised in in a Catholic family. And I remember just loving the mass and just seeing the beauty in it. I remember sometimes as a kid just crying during mass and not knowing why. And it wasn't until I uh, went to college where I finally had to make a decision where Jesus was, e- was either an idea or a historical figure or he's actually Lord. And so uh, I went to the Ohio State University and since I was paying for college myself, I decided to live at home. And so after a few months of commuting to campus, driving to and from campus and getting just really bitter about having all my friends live on campus, I started feeling a little bit lonely. So by God's providence, there is a perpetual adoration chapel that was halfway in between campus and my house. And so somehow I heard about it and I started popping in either before or after class. And I remember after a few months of doing that, I was reading uh, John 6, where it's it's actually the bread of life discourse Mm -mm. and reading the words, I am the bread of life and just looking up at Jesus in the Eucharist and then down at scripture and then looking up and then finally just proclaiming my Lord and my God. Like, that's really you. You're really there. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. You're right here. And there's just been a lot of little moments like that, that mm-hmm. when I actually encountered the person of Jesus Christ in my life, it couldn't help but change. 
Yeah. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for showing yourself and revealing yourself to Maggie. That's <clears> awesome. <throat> I love that. The Lord just wants to show you his love. Mm-hmm. How old were you, Maggie? I was about 18, 19. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. after you experienced this encounter with the Lord, what, what did you do? Oh, I continued living the same old life. Oh! <laughs> I Classic know. encounter fail. I know. I was so scared. <laughs> yeah, so actually at Ohio State, I majored in athletic training. Yeah. And after um, working with the Ohio State football team, I I was so just hungry for, for what was the more that was out there. Mm-hmm. And so after getting into the groove of going to, to daily mass and Eucharistic adoration, there was one week during the football season where I just, I just didn't have any time to go. And so I was given the privilege to travel with the football team to uh, the University of Illinois. Wow. And uh, I got to campus and me and the fellow, fellow athletic trainers, we set up the stadium and then we had a couple of free hours where we would just walk around campus. So I looked up the... Uh, the the church on campus catholic church on campus and found out that daily mass was going to go on in a, in an hour oh man so i made my way up to uh, up to the church and i walk in an hour early and my jaw just dropped as i was walking down the aisle because i was like there's so many college kids here an hour before mass i was just so amazed <laughs> <laughs> and then my my eyes reached the altar and i saw uh the holy eucharist there in the monstrance and i fell to my knees and yes. i was just like actually I'm not the one pursuing you going to adoration and mass. You are the one pursuing me. Mm. And, and and that was really a key moment where my life started to shift and my relationship with Jesus was no longer uh, focused on me. It was focused on our Lord. Wow. That's amazing. That's awesome. I love that. Praise the Lord. That's so good. The, uh, I feel like so often, you know, we hear in the Gospels, people encounter Jesus and what what does he say always? Like, go and sin no more or like, do not return to your former way of life. Or he says, don't go back into that town, you know? And yeah. um, and this this idea of metanoia, a turning away from one way of life into a whole new way of life, mm-hmm. a turning, changing of the mind. So why why do you think it was that you went back to your former way? I was very scared to live an abnormal life which is hilarious because the Christian life is anything but normal. Uh, but I was afraid to be different. I was afraid to to show my friends that I was different. I was afraid to show my friends that I began to, began to pray or began to go to daily mass. You know, mass not on Sundays was totally outside the realm of possibilities with the friend group that I was around. And it wasn't until I surrounded myself with a group of missionary disciples um, on campus that there is this like holy jealousy that like... Oh, that was awakened mm. within myself. I want to be them. Oh, oh yeah. I wanted what they have and, and they had joy mm-hmm. and I wanted that so bad. And so usually like I'm, I'm very competitive. And so the, yes. this competition Glory. that is like inside of me, it, it like the evil one can either use it as a disadvantage or I could tap into the power of the Holy Spirit and use it as an advantage. And I started doing that just by spending my time in, in a Catholic community and actually racing towards Jesus along with my fellow brothers and sisters. That's amazing. I love that. Praise the Lord. And, I, you know, after um, it's funny because after the resurrection, Jesus appears to the uh, apostles and shows like, hey, guys, I died and now I'm alive. <laughs> and like he breathes the Holy Spirit. And then it, it says that they went back like one day they're they're there after the resurrection, after they've encountered the resurrected Lord. And one of my, the funniest, I think, phrases in all of Scripture is Peter says, 
I'm going fishing. It's like, wait, what? Like, Jesus just died and rose from the dead and appeared to you, and you're going to go back to your fisherman life? Like, did you not catch on to the whole purpose of Jesus raising you up and calling you as his apostles? Mm-hmm. So then Jesus, when he approaches him and encounters him there that day after he returned to his former way of life, he asks him three times, right? Peter, do you love me? And when Peter says yes, what does he do? He calls him to mission, right? Tend my sheep, feed my flock, tend my sheep. That that the call, once you've encountered the risen Lord and you know that God is not dead, and once you've experienced that love like he's pursued you, the response is is not just a life of like, wow, thanks, Jesus. That was an amazing moment. And I feel, um, I, I feel good, but it's actually now, no, I'm calling you now into a life of mission to Amen. feed my flock and to tend my sheep. And um, so how, how did you... How'd you do that? Yeah, so I think that uh, the strategizer in myself, I think I wanted to go to a 10-year missionary program like within a very small amount of people and then finally release my missionary skills once I perfected them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you have to be perfect before you tell anyone about Jesus. Yeah, but just like Peter, I was actually just set out on mission um, from the get-go. So I served at Catholic Youth Summer Camp up in Centerburg, Ohio. Yes, name-dropping. And um, I just had about a week of training, and then they said, here you go. You're ready. And I guess that's what it takes. So I I firmly believe that we can't do mission alone. And when you serve alongside dozens of missionary disciples, that holy competition that arises within everybody, we're able to serve the church for the greater glory of God. Wow, that's awesome. What's your favorite part about mission? Mission, yes. Um I get to, oh, there's grace in every moment. Yeah, definitely. So mission isn't just what I do when I go to work. It's actually just every single moment of my day. Uh, this morning when I when I got out of bed, I went downstairs to make coffee. And I had to fill up the water in the Keurig when oh, I was done. Man. Oh, man, that's the worst, I could have right? left it on empty. Oh, but yeah. out of love uh, for my <laughs> husband and for Jesus, I thought, Maybe this could be a graceful moment, and even mission can happen filling up water wow. for my Keurig. <laughs> That's, so That's awesome. You just called me out on my sin. Lord, <laughs> Lord I repent. <laughs> I will forever. I, I even Sorry, leave Amber. the Keurig pod in, in sometimes. Oh, like, That's, That's a travesty. So I know. Gross. Do you so take gross. the pod out, or do you... Do you you know, I don't oh, drink coffee. Sorry. I know. Yeah, you you have no idea. So, <laughs> wow. For, uh, hashtag first, okay. first so, world problems. When we were I- introducing the show today, um, we kind of got into this idea that a lot of times, like, it's in investing in mission that we are then launched into deeper mission, right? And I wonder, even just to to kind of connect your your story, um, Maggie, to some of our listeners, what they might be experiencing. I mean, this is not a word of condemnation today, right? That uh, our 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 investment in mission is an invitation to a life that's fully alive, right? To a life lived fully alive, and of course, it's it's our hope and it's Jesus's hope for us that in giving of ourselves we'd come to know Him more. So, um, if if you are uh, currently experiencing your faith life through awesome shows like Encounter Radio and through listening to Saint Gabriel or EWTN or if it's if it is just going to mass on Sunday or helping out at the as a PSR teacher or you know whatever the case may be, how do we how do we take those steps to to dive deeper into mission? Maggie, I'm wondering if you can share with us. You know what was like 
once you engaged in mission, um, what what did God place on your heart in that first summer of service that called you into the place you are today? And how did you get there? Yeah, I think the the first step is that you can't be afraid to fail. Okay. Um. So like when Peter went out uh, right after he he encountered Jesus uh, the second time when Jesus asked him, "Do you love me?" He would just went out and he proclaimed the gospel without fear. And three thousand were baptized after Pentecost. That's pretty right? awesome, right? Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> <laughs> and he was probably afraid, just like he was when when Jesus was crucified, that that this might be um, how he might end too might die as well. Uh, mm. But he did it anyways. And so I think that's the huge issue is that a lot of us are afraid to go on mission because of fear, just like I was when I first encountered Jesus. But it wasn't after it wasn't until after I formed a relationship with him that there is a transition in my heart that I just needed to go out and do it. Yeah. So after entering into relationship with Jesus and after living with uh, with a family of of missionaries who were living life on, on, on campus and, and, and seeking after the Lord. And then after being called into mission in, in a more intensive way through Catholic youth summer camp, what, what were the next steps for you? Yeah. So, um, about a week after graduating with my degree in athletic training, I went on an interview, uh, to work at a Catholic church and I had no training to be a youth minister at all. But I knew it like just like Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, because I felt this this uh, this burden on my heart that I need to share what I encountered, who I encountered with everybody. And I knew that working as an athletic trainer, though it can be a good and holy job, I just I wasn't going to be satisfied. I knew I needed to work uh, uh, for the church and and with young people. Yeah. And um, and Maggie is so humble. Um, Right now you are kicking butt at an awesome um, in an awesome youth program at one of our local parishes. And you're really, uh, I think you, you are, um, you're, you're truly embodying kind of what a, what a youth ministry program can bring to the life of a parish. Can you share maybe just some of the glory stories that you've seen this year in your work in parish life? Absolutely. So uh, the Holy Spirit is just doing a lot if we just say yes to him. So I can one of my greatest glory stories is actually one of my greatest failures. So it was the first week of school, and we had resources to lead a Bible study for 7th and 8th grade girls. And so I walk into a classroom that I had um, prepared, and I invited all the girls there to come join this Bible study. And, and then about 25 of them signed up. And I was like, great, we're going to have about 25 girls in a 7th grade Bible study. And I take the sign-up sheet, and I walk back. And it's 25 sixth graders. And I had to say no to 25 sixth graders that we only had resources for seventh and eighth grade. But the greatest glory there is that people are hungry. And young Mm -hmm. people are so hungry for the gospel. They're so hungry for receiving life rather than what the culture is just spewing out. And I'm excited to just take part in that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I, I just I love the hunger that um, people have. I don't think they always show it by signing up for things, right? And I think there's almost like a um, like I think about our listeners. If you're working in the secular world, like it's different, you know, like being a youth minister in a parish with kids who have already had like positive faith experiences in their life. They may be really eager to sign up for something. Like, what's the next step? But a lot of times, 
uh, listeners, you may be at work and you may see the hunger of the world manifested differently, like in, in this like incredible spiritual poverty where they're just, they're almost numb to the gospel and they're numb to what's going to bring them joy and, and what's going to bring them life. And I think that that should, in the, in a sense, propel that same missionary spirit in us that like, oh my goodness, like there are people that are starving all around me. Lord, um, how can I satisfy their hunger? I love Mother Teresa. Like when she was praying, she heard um, just those words of, of our uh, of our Lord on the cross. I thirst, and they like pierced her heart that she wanted her life to be what satiated his thirst. And yeah. I and I think like when I think about the lost sheep of the children of God, like out in the world, that I want my life to be what satiates their hunger, right? And mm. that our mission can be what actually feeds them. Feed my flock, like tend my sheep. They're hungry. They're suffering. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I know, uh, you know, so many times we, we kind of think that our, our spiritual life is a personal thing, right? Our spiritual life's a private thing. Our relationship with Jesus is a private thing. And it's not, right? We're, we're called to live our life outwardly so that we can invite other people in. Um, you know, God is... God by by his nature, right? Trinity by by nature is relationship. And um in a in a in a unique way, I, I've seen and and I've spoken with so many people who kind of when they're looking at their relationship with God and they're looking at their call to missionary life, um, even actively and faithfully pursuing, you know, what is God asking me to do, it oftentimes takes place in outside of the context of their relationships, right? I, I, I've, I've spoken with so many individuals that are that are married that would see mission as like something that I do outside of my marriage or outside of my relationship with my with my wife or with my husband. And um, Maggie, I'm wondering if you can share uh, how God has moved so powerfully through mission. Just because I, I know this, having having met with you and with Isaac in in your marriage and in your discernment and and kind of in your life together now. Yeah. So. Mission within our marriage. So Isaac and I, um, we met about a couple years ago through St. Paul's Outreach at Ohio State, and where we were both chasing after the Lord. And when we discerned to um, enter into the vocation of marriage, we knew from the get-go that the goal of marriage is that a couple years down the road, we need to be able to look at each other and say, because of the way you love me, I know God. Mm. And so when, when we decided it was time for us to enter into marriage, there, there was a moment where um, Isaac and I were just talking about um, our past. And so Isaac had, had um, opened my eyes that before he had asked me out, he was pursuing me for like nine months. He was asking me to go places and just inviting me into conversations really intentionally. And I was like, wow, I'm so sorry. Like I had no idea until like you actually asked me out. And, and I was praying about that a couple years later, and I had just had this realization of, of God saying, don't you see that's what I've been doing for you, <laughs> is that I've been pursuing you your entire life, your entire life. And it wasn't until with, through, the, through grace that my eyes were open and I could see how God was pursuing me. Mm. And so just seeing how God used Isaac to proclaim that truth to me was just an, an affirmation that we were, were meant to go on mission together through the sacrament yeah. of matrimony. Amen. So, um, Maggie, how are you living mission in a church context through your marriage? Yeah. So I think just like I said before, um, Isaac and I, we, we would like to be normal, but 
I'm sorry, being Christian is not normal. So, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! (laughs) (laughs) So, discerning um, what our first few months of marriage would look like, we had no idea that we'd both be saying yes to uh, to serve as summer missionaries at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. (laughs) But that is what God had in the cards for us, thankfully. Yeah, that's really exciting. So, um, Maggie and Isaac will be spending the first two, three months of their marriage actually serving at Catholic Youth Summer Camp this year in a summer on mission together, which is just such a radical um, statement of not only what the two of you are passionate about in your pursuit of Jesus, but such a great witness that kind of stands in the face of um, maybe what our common experience or expectation would be of of marriage, even in the Catholic context. You know, um, Dan, you and I have, have spoken with so many uh, young people that have been discerning marriage through the course of of their college years or even high school years for some of them, right? And um, it's it's so funny to see uh, a lot of times, you know, people who have hearts that are sold out for Jesus will, will kind of buy into this um, this cultural perspective that once I say yes to marriage, um, then everything else needs to go on the back burner until I get our married life figured out, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. That always kind of drives me nuts, too, because it's like, mission, mission, mission. Oh, now I'm married, so I'm going to dive into comfort, comfort, comfort. It's like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that. no, now, like, God has, uh, like, brought you together so that your mission can be more effective and yeah. more powerful. And uh, uh, the, two, uh, two, the two have become one. So now yeah. the Lord's like, hey, I'm accelerating your effort uh, twofold. <laughs> yeah. So not every married couple needs to come and work at uh, at Damascus that would be or awkward. at Catholic Youth Summer Camp. Yeah, but I, I just I want to honor you, Maggie, one one more time for for making that decision with your life. And I just see I, I see this as being such an awesome season of growth for the two of you, and um, that God is like God is saying that because because you've said yes to mission. Um, he's going to open more doors for mission, and and when you say yes to those, like he's expanding your impact in the world. And, you know, uh, to our listeners today, how many times have you sat back and asked yourself, like, God, I wish you would open this avenue for mission for me. I wish you would allow me to have that open, um, that opening for conversation with my son, with my daughter, with my aunt, with my uncle, right? I, 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 w- I wish that you would allow me to, to have that impact that I desire to see. And um, the answer is that we need to get into the habit of saying yes to the little things, right? When we enter into a, to a relationship with God where every time he gives us a challenge, that he knows that he can trust us with faithfully stewarding a response, right? That, that if we can prove to the Lord, not that it's about proving anything, that, that when he challenges us to, to a mission, that our response will be yes, then I believe God can trust us and, and will entrust to us just... Uh, a world-changing responsibility. Amen to that. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, and I, I just, uh, married couples out there that are listening, I want you to ask yourself, have, have I ever asked my spouse, um, what's our mission? And, and I wonder if you uh, if you had that conversation, how, how that might bless your marriage, right? Because I think, too, 
Um, if, as John Paul II says, if um, if man was made to be a sincere gift of self, and that's when you discover who you truly are. Yeah. I wonder if our marriages, if they too were meant to be a gift of self or a selves, and that's when we'll truly discover what our marriage is. Yeah. And and so when our marriage is freely given away for the sake of others, whether that's uh, li- like the life, right? First and foremost, freely poured out for our children, and, and also freely poured out for for the sake of Jesus's mission, the mission of the church, the mission of hospitality. When we pour ourselves out as a, a gift for others, that's when we discover what marriage really is and mm-hmm. the beauty. Beauty of marriage. I know my favorite moments with Amber um, as a married couple aren't necessarily the moments where we're all by ourselves on some, uh, you know, exotic island, uh, because that's happened multiple times. Um, uh, but it's when we're side by side in prayer ministry or side by side in Amen. hospitality and yep. welcoming people in our homes and just being able to watch her give uh, of, of our abundance of, of joy, that just blesses me and it draws us <laughs> deeper. And I think that's for marriage. If you want, if you want to spice up your married life, uh, which ask you yourselves, do. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> then ask yourselves, how can we serve more together? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, we should probably take a break. <laughs> oh, whoo, it just got hot in this room. Yeah. Right, you're listening to beyond Damascus, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic radio and EWTN radio and carried across the EWTN global Catholic radio network. We'll be right back. There's a great saying that we should be a thermostat and not a thermometer. A thermometer reads the temperature of the room and responds to it. A thermostat sets the temperature of the room. You're going to walk into lots of rooms today, lots of situations and scenarios in your life. Are you responding to everybody else around you, or are you setting the spiritual temperature? Do you find yourself constantly responding to how your kids are acting? Are you letting that determine the kind of father you are? If you got teens in the house, that's not a good idea. Are you basing the kind of spouse you are today on how good your husband or wife's mood is? Are you responsive to the virtue or lack thereof in your workplace and letting that determine how you interact with the people around you? No, no, no. Start being responsive to God. Keep the person He's calling you to be today front and center. If you're true to that, even if you're quiet, Whatever room you walk into, a wave of grace will follow you. Send us a message at connect at reallifecatholic.com. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, a show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that live lives of extraordinary mission. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Aaron, earlier on the show... Yes. Maggie, Aaron, we had some fun. We did a little Catholic trivia with both of us. We were like, is it October 13th? Is it May 13th? What's Our Lady uh, Fatima's feast day? And some of you at home may be smarter than us, and you're like, dude, I can't believe you guys don't know this. Well, we consulted with the Oracle Google. We figured out uh, from, from the, the great... The if great she can be trusted. Pro- <laughs> and so, dun dun dun, dun. Our Lady of Fatima's feast day is May 13th. Yay! But I wasn't completely wrong. You weren't completely wrong. The last apparition of Our Lady at Fatima was October 13th. Yeah, that's why I do my Fatima dance every October 13th. So at my wedding, Dan did a Fatima dance. I did. It was amazing. (laughs) Down the aisle. Okay. um, So, Maggie, we're we're glad to have you back. And so we're going to dive in because you do parish work. You're the director of... Catechesis. Catechesis. That's awesome. That is awesome. All good catechesis teaches and evangelizes. Um, And so all good stuff. So what do you think the answer, the key to the bringing revival to our Catholic parishes around the U.S. is? 
Dun, dun, dun. That's a big question. Listen dun, up, dun, ladies dun. and gentlemen. <laughs> You're going to get the key. Yeah. So it's all about relationships. And oh, so, man. yeah, first and foremost, your relationship with Jesus. So mm. you can only pour out to the parish that which with with which you gain from Jesus in prayer. Mm. Um, yeah. So first and foremost, the Eucharist. So attending daily mass and just really looking your source of strength has to be Jesus in the Eucharist, Jesus in prayer. Amen. And also relationship with who you work with and who you work for. So people are only going to listen to you talk about Jesus if they actually think that you are authentically living a Christian life. Mm. And you can do that just by loving them. So just in the normal day-to-day life of inviting people to lunch in your office, um, every Thursday, we have a couple of teachers that come up to our office and they just eat lunch with us. And we just talk about normal things and there, there creates a baseline of trust there mm-hmm. where they see how we're living our lives differently. And, and, and it opens up an avenue for them to start living their lives differently because of our friendship, because of our relationship that flows from a, rela- a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. The early church like ministered out of a community, right? It wasn't like Jesus said, hey, go by yourself and minister all by yourself. It was yeah. He sent them out in twos. There was the early Christian community. People would encounter them and be like, what is going on with these people? Yeah. Just just yesterday, even we were talking about um, we we had a little little quarterly um, mission retreat with our staff at Damascus, and um, you know a lot of times we, we I think a lot of times we forget about relationship because we get um, excited about the the more glamorous aspects of ministry, right? What else was happening in the early church? Well, there were like thousands of people being baptized at prayer meetings. When's the last time you saw that happen? Oh, right? man, that's pretty awesome. I wonder if, if Peter just like went to a public pool and was just like, I'm just going to make this holy water. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the uh, there, were, there were people getting healed by Peter's shadow walking down the road, right? That, that I think a lot of times we want to uh, we want to see the glamorous, um, you know, I don't, I don't even want to downplay that. We want to see the, like the, the supernatural um, life of the church be lived out in and through us. And, um, you know, newsflash, the answer and the way that that happens is through being motivated by love, right? The way that that happens, the way that you will see people healed, the way that you'll see the Lord speak, um, through powerful, like prophetic, uh, word is through engaging in relationships of love. Yeah. You know, the, what is it like? They shall know we are Christians by our yeah. love, right? It, that it, that it, awesome vacation true. Bible school song <laughs> we used to sing. Um, but I, I think a lot of times we think that just means they'll know that we're Christians by our love. Like like I go to Walmart and I smile at the person so they'll know I'm a Christian. But I, I actually think it it was they, they will know we're Christians by our love, like our love, like our Christian community, the love yeah. that we have for one another. And imagine if parish staffs loved one another so boldly that when the parishioners came, they're like, oh my gosh, like these people really love each other and this is the fullness of life. And, yeah. and you know, but I love what, also what you're saying. I love, 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 love. Uh, <laughs> I like what you're saying about um, relationship and, and evangelization ultimately it starts with a relationship. I love yep. one of my favorite quotes from Benedict Sixteenth was that evangelization is teaching people the art of living. And mm. listeners, you may not be the director of catechesis at your like secular workplace, and that's okay. Or maybe you are. Uh, maybe you are. Yeah, <laughs> I work at McDonald's. I'm the director of catechesis. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, your form of evangelization is having an authentic <clears throat> relationship that will teach people. Um, 
how the art of living, mm-hmm. you know, like teach your coworkers, you enter into relationship with your coworkers. And I wonder if you use that same platform that Maggie gave us, maybe first, the very first thing you need to do in your work environment is find one more Christian. Um, and they don't have to be like a daily communicant. They don't have to be like, uh, uh, uh this awesome Uber Catholic that knows all the secrets of Fatima, because clearly we're not there yet. Um, some but, of us aren't. Yeah. There yet. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, however, However, maybe you find a Christian who you can have a relationship with and Uh you can start sharing life with them. And then you start welcoming your coworkers into that friendship and you start evangelizing them through that, you know, that would be awesome. And and how many times have, you know, how many times have you, have you, uh, maybe like had that, had that desire to pray with somebody or, or, or wished that you had the same boldness that you see other people praying with, right? You know? We we want to practice this every day. Our, our missionaries at Damascus, we practice this in in outreach in a hundred different ways. That you know, if if you're if you're in a store or on the street or at the bank or in your family or at a holiday, right? And God places this this word on your heart that I need to pray with this person or I need to offer um, God's insight into this situation, right? The way that we can can build up the courage and the boldness is through making it a habit of loving people. You know, treat the person on the street as if you loved them. How do you do that? By loving them. (laughs) Whoa, 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 boom. Mind blown. I I love, okay, my favorite favorite thing is when someone says, I I just, how do we make them feel like we love them? (laughs) (laughs) Love them. (laughs) My my favorite was uh, the other day Amber and I were at home and she she's looking through Facebook and it someone said please send positive vibes my way oh, man, <laughs> and Amber's you got like it, girl. how does one do that like how do I send positive vibes you know it's like a very okay they're dance. coming they're coming out <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I you know we don't want you to go into your workplace and simply give positive vibes <laughs> you know like that doesn't change people's lives but what if you did go into your workplace and you, you emptied built, the Keurig yeah. or filled the the Kirk. Right? <laughs> um, but no, what if you built relationship with them and yeah. built trust with them and built friendship with them so that when conversations came about, you could pray with them and you yeah. could, you could actually not, not just say, Hey, I'm going to, uh, I, I want to send you positive vibes, but Hey, can we pray right now? Because or, I know yeah. a Lord who can bring comfort. Or when God inspired you to pray with somebody that you didn't think to yourself, man, this is going to be awkward because I haven't talked to this person in two months. Yeah. Right. I, I can't, I can't send that text message because I haven't, you know, I haven't texted them in a year. Or that's so, my family member and they don't do praying yeah. stuff. That That's awkward. And just do it anyway and see what happens. It yeah. would be pretty amazing. Uh, that's awesome. So, yeah, it's so good. So entering into those relationships is just such a great way to, to prime the pump for the good work that God wants to do in you. Okay, so director of catechesis, my friend, since we have your wisdom here, what is effective catechesis? Oh, my gosh. Effective catechesis always aims to bring people into relationship with Jesus. Oh, yeah. boom. Success. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, of course, um, catechesis and evangelization, they just go hand in hand. It's the way they work. You cannot catechize without evangelization. You can't evangelize properly without catechesis. And so a great way to do that is is to realize that we're on the winning team and that everyone's hungry for the gospel. Mm. All we have to do is unleash the gospel in their lives 
And then the Holy Spirit's going to do the rest. Oh, man, that's so good. That Praise the so Lord. Good. Yeah, like the word catechesis like, comes from the handing on, right? And like the, the passing on. And we pass on the logos, the faith. And, and who is the logos? It's Jesus, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And uh, so when we pass on the faith, we're passing on not just the content of faith, but the he who is the content of faith, he who is the eternal logos. And imagine if we saw, church work or if we saw evangelization as passing on to the next generation this living relationship with Jesus Christ it's a family right like here we've got the Christians we've got this family of the Lord and we're passing on our family life yep. and his name is Jesus yep so good it so is many so good things. it's like it's the good news or something I love the gospel <laughs> wow okay Maggie thank you so much for being on our show we're so blessed to have you yeah. I just want to close um, in prayer today and mm-hmm. I want us to pray that people would become um, greater evangelists greater missionaries uh, in the secular world I want to pray that God would do some amazing things uh, I'll open us Maggie could you also pray for our people we'll just all kind of pray sound yeah. good Sweet. in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit amen, amen. good and gracious God we love love you we adore you we know that you want to see revival more than we do we know that you love our family more than we could ever love our family you love our co-workers more than we could ever love our co-workers that you hunger and you thirst for the salvation of their souls more than we ever could and lord we just want to be a, a part of your redeeming work I pray that you would help all of us, all of our listeners, just become um, greater uh, missionaries, that they would help to bring all souls back to you, wherever they are, that you would help them, inspire them to bring them back to you. Father, we pray that if there are any obstacles that are, that's in the way of encountering you in a deeper and more fuller way, then in Jesus' mm-hmm. name, those obstacles might be gone. We pray that we have open ears and open minds to encounter you in the everyday life to encounter you in our families and at work and, and, and driving to work and driving home from work. So, Father, we pray that we can love you in a greater way. Amen. Whether Jesus. it was a conviction for me or for somebody on the show today, um, as we were talking about family relationships, I, I felt the Lord speaking powerfully that uh, there are individuals who are who are really finding conviction today, even through our messages, that um, that, that God desires— to bring more freedom and opportunity for boldness and for love into relationships, particularly between mother and daughter and father and son. So for every relationship between children and parents, um, God, I pray that you would bring breakthrough now in Jesus's name and that you would work to open up those opportunities for love again so that we might know you fully, Lord, and so that we might be able to engage in that adventure and that joy of mission together. God, create opportunity for love. Oh, We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And once again, you've been listening today to Beyond Damascus. It's a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio, carried across the global, the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week.